Exceeding expectations would almost always seem to be a really good thing. Imagine if you went into work and you told your boss that you exceeded the quota for the month or you got much more done than expected. Wouldn't they be happy? Uh, a friend of mine uh, growing up, uh, we would go on cookouts, um, uh, go uh, camping together, and he would tell us, oh, dinner's gonna be ready in an hour. And then uh, he intentionally told us it'd be you know, far too long, so that when it was ready in about 30 minutes, um, we were all really excited. Um, exceeding expectations is, is often a good thing. And in our society, we often try to redefine many of the expectations. Uh, expectations regarding marriage uh, and dating, regarding family and gender, and in general, just acceptable practices. And we try to put these expectations into law in order to define them for everyone so that everybody knows what to expect from each other. And the expectation to fulfill the law is a, is a very good thing. But there are lots of different types of law. There's divine law, there's natural law, there's positive or legal law, and there's also social laws. But for each Christian, there's another law, a law that cannot be compromised. And that's the law of the cross. Throughout his ministry, no one really got who Jesus was or what he was doing. The crowds followed him, didn't know what was up. The ones who heard his preaching, the people whom he fed, the people from whom he cast out demons, and even those, yes, in his hometown, didn't know what to expect with this man. And this is nothing new um, to a prophet. Ezekiel had to deal with the same thing. In the first reading, we heard Ezekiel sort of crash course into what it's like to be a prophet to your own people. And God tells him, this is what you're going to do. You're going to proclaim um, uh, God's law and, and God's message to, the, to my people. And he's going to go to the chosen people, Israel, the ones set apart who are rebellious. And they'll likely not listen to you. And they're not going to listen to the expectations or laws of God. But he still must go and preach. Because in the end, they will know that a prophet has been amongst them. Because he's preached the truth, even though they sadly might reject it. And so this is a very similar experience for Jesus as a prophet. In the gospel, the people in Jesus' hometown don't understand how from his origins he came to be what he was and what they saw him as, as a prophetic healer, preaching great wisdom and doing great works. Jesus exceeds their expectations, but rather than being happy for him, they get angry. Their expectations of who Jesus was to be were far too surpassed. They could not have faith in this man who grew up among them and who worked among them as a carpenter. Yet even in this hidden, quiet life of Jesus, in his simple daily job for the first 30 years of his life, he was still God become man. And he was still living amongst these people in ordinary life. These townspeople, they lacked the ability to see the power of his divinity amidst the humanity that they knew him for. 
because I think they had a false idea of divinity. They had fashioned their expectation of the Messiah into a military leader that would deliver them from whatever political leader they happened to dislike at that moment and was running their country. The questions that they asked about Jesus are certainly true. He is the son of Mary, he is the carpenter, but they refused to believe that God could be present with them even in those simplest moments. And Jesus then marvels at their disbelief. And that word marvel, it's only ever used typically from the people marveling at the great things Jesus does. But now the tables are turned. Jesus is marveling at the people for their lack of faith. And so they get angry at him because he's working great miracles, preaching great wisdom, yet they get angry at someone they maybe should be rejoicing in as their hometown hero. It says they took offense at him. Now we don't know, right? We don't know the words of what Jesus said. We don't know what he preached from the pulpit that day. Uh, but we can be sure that he preached what he typically does. He preached his laws of true love. A love that can be best described by his own actions on the cross. This is the law of the cross. It's accepting the very abasement of yourself so that God will raise you up. In the it's the expectation that in our weakness, we can expect God to make us strong. It's a public sign to the world that we're weak and we can't do anything without the help of God. St. Paul reminded us to be content in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. Because in all of these apparent weaknesses, we experience in every bit of our daily lives, we can rely on God. Amidst the pedestrian life we live, we can live the law of the cross and live with God. His divine life that we're gathered here at this altar to receive is sufficient. So if you feel overwhelmed with the laws of the Christian life, or anxious about how others think of you for following Jesus, or burdened by the expectations of society that doesn't respect God's law, or maybe you're self-conscious for following the very teachings of the church, you're in just the right place, both existentially and at this very moment. You're in the presence of God here. In your weakness, he can strengthen you, and you can count on that. And while you may look like the biggest failure in the world, it's only for a time. If we fulfill this law of the cross, and we proclaim the truth that is the gospel, it will bear fruit. Look at how Christ's own suffering and death, the cross, has been the most significant moment in all of history. By his death, we've been healed. Countries have been converted by his preaching and by his teaching and the proclamation of the cross. In the society that we live in today, and as we celebrate the independence of our country, the culture has its expectations of the church. Some call it antiquated, 
or riddled with wounds or in need of an update. And they're correct. We need an update. But it's not the one that they expect. What they do not expect is the law that we live our, our lives by. They don't expect the law of the cross. And this law says that in our weakness, in our vulnerability, in our openness to God, he can work and do amazing things. So when we find ourselves at the end of our rope, without any other option than to turn to God, he will do his best work. Christ was rejected by those that thought they knew him best because they didn't like, uh, they didn't, he didn't live like they expected him to. So when we live the law of the cross, do we think it'll be any different for us? We might be able to join Christ in marveling at the culture. How do they live? How do they make sense of the world without God? But to the very enigma of each person that we meet, we must in some way proclaim the teachings of Jesus. We must be a prophet. And we must tell them his great love for them. And tell them the greatest law that exists in the world, the law of the cross. The law where we get to participate in God's life, in our own weakness. And we must proclaim this good news that in the anxiety and weakness of our world, there is a savior. And there's a law that teaches uh, that it will the law of the cross is going to require you to hand everything over, to become weak and completely dependent upon him at every moment in all the simple, ordinary, hidden moments of your life. And some might call us weak for living this law of the cross. But when we let Christ work in us, we're going to have his strength. We have the strength of God who let himself be, be abased to raise up our fallen world. He gave us true freedom, freedom from the slavery of the expectations of mediocrity and of sin. To follow Jesus is to follow his law of the cross. And this law gives us a holy joy, a joy both now and for eternity.